Hello, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. We uh, are going to talk this out together. It'll be therapeutic for us as it will for you. And I'm not sure uh, where you'd like to start, Keith. Would you like to start at the beginning? We probably should start at the let's, end. Let, well, no, let's just start at the beginning and work our way through and see if our angst uh, gets ramped up by the time we get to the end. How about that? 37-35, North Carolina wins it. Uh, the irony in that is that the last time Carolina played here, they won 37-35 to when FSU missed a kick at the end. This time they win 37-35 as they make a kick at the end. Uh, from a Carolina point of view, I'm sure there's great stories about a kicker missing an extra point in a game and then getting a chance to redeem himself. You could go a whole career and not get that. He got it uh, in the same game. From a Florida State point of view, I know that uh, you're going to harp on the defense. Uh, but frankly, the special teams was not good when you look at the blocked field goal and the, and the field goal misses. And the offense uh, was abysmal in the first half. And I think that's where we start. You can't fall behind 21 nothing to anybody, save for a high school or uh, you know an FCS team. I mean, the 22-point comeback against Ole Miss, those things happen. There's a reason that was a school record, and FSU's been playing 70 years of football. You just don't make those kind of comebacks on a regular basis. I was disappointed, Tom, with the, the decisions that went into some of the things that happened early in the first quarter. I, I thought Florida State uh, probably should have gone for it on fourth down on that first drive and not attempted uh, the field goal. Uh, on the second drive, you and I were talking before we um, uh, started uh, taping here that, that you know, Rudolph normally makes that catch on the second drive, I think, and probably ends up, if not for a touchdown, close to a touchdown. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't understand some of the decisions, and I'm not saying just the coaching decisions, but some of the t- decisions relative to how to proceed with the game. Uh, it just seemed like Florida State couldn't get out of its own way offensively uh, in the first three drives, and you end up with zero points. I would agree. Uh, so you look at the first drive. It was third and three at the North Carolina 29. To me at that point, if your mindset is this is two downs to get those yards, I don't know if it changes the first play call, which was a Francois rush for one yard. It was fourth and two from what was a a 45-yard field goal. They were at the 28-yard line. I I would agree uh, because going into me, and North Carolina hadn't had the ball yet, but it stood to reason based on what North Carolina was going to do and the struggles FSU's had defensively that they're probably going to get into the 30s or 40s offensively, and you don't really win these games with field goals. Plus, I'm sending a decision. I'm sending a message to my squad, both offensively and defensively, that we've gone four games already, now entering our fifth, and 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 we're not playing with a great deal of energy, and we're not playing playing with a great deal of, of urgency. Uh, I mean, there, there's sometimes a head coach has to send a message to his team by his actions as well. Uh, that's why, you know, I'm sitting up in the booth going, I, I, I think I go for this. I realize it's the first series. I realize Jimbo will tell you, you always want to make sure you get points on the first series. But given how this team was positioned and knowing the opponent that they could score some points, uh, which was the case, I, I just think that's a decision you need to go back and reevaluate. That said, and I would agree with you, and uh, you and I weren't together during the game. You're in the booth. I'm on the sideline. I had the same thought at the time. and that was I had that thought before the kick was, was no good. Um, I thought 
you know, if from the end of the second quarter through the rest of the game, and by the end of the second quarter, I mean after the turnover, Florida State gets the ball with a minute forty-five seconds, but completely backed up, and the fans booed. But I did no, not. That's, a, that's the right. Team I did not disagree at all with the way Jimbo handled. What Jimbo typically does there is, if you bust one and you get across the twenty twenty-five, they would have gone hurry up, and but because they didn't, uh, and they North Carolina had a couple timeouts, so you couldn't just manage the clock and give it back. To, I thought that was right. I thought the second half was managed from a uh, the clock standpoint very well. What Jimbo did, he tried to minimize possessions, and we talked about it as best he could. They had four drives in the second half. They scored four touchdowns. Uh, he tried to bleed the clock as much as humanly possible, and you can't take it down much more than 23 seconds, and it turns out that they needed to take it down further than 23 seconds. The, the, the dividing line of whether you're successful or not successful, I heard someone say, well, why didn't he tell Francois to get down? At the one-yard line. And well, I said that, play. and I was being facetious and, on that. And, my, and that's my point. That, that's just ludicrous. I mean, that doesn't happen. Uh, I think, too, you have to continue to remember, and Florida State fans don't want to hear this. Um, I don't want to say it, uh, but the reality is uh, the teams in the ACC have gotten better. That's a good North Carolina team. Uh, five, ten years ago, uh, a Carolina team with 23 seconds left would not have gotten a first down. This team scored a field goal and won a ball game. Yeah, that's what's changed in the league. That's what's changed in college football. Well, we know what happened on the last drive. Twenty-three seconds. They get a completion. Uh, there's also a pass interference call. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll do a segment on offense, a segment on defense, and uh, you know maybe we'll we'll have to do one more segment at least, Keith. Maybe we'll just hug it out at that point after this thirty-seven, thirty-five defeat, and that'll be stimulating radio. But. Uh, I, Let's listen in to, to Jimbo Fisher's post-game comments after what, what truly was a gut-wrenching, uh, sort of heartbreaking defeat. FSU was going to get away with one that maybe they shouldn't have won, and we'll discuss that. But they were going to get away with it uh, where there are a few less seconds on the clock. Here's uh, Jimbo's post-game press conference. This is courtesy of Seminoles.com. Let's listen in to the head coach. I did a tremendous job battling in the game, getting back in the game. Played with a lot of heart, a lot of soul. Uh, we have to... Uh, you know, giving too many, everybody's going to point to the end, but we gave up. We had plenty of opportunities in other parts of the game all throughout. We have to play with much more consistency in what we're doing, capitalize on opportunities. And then, but at the end, we have to play those situations and what we're doing. And we uh, have to stay in our zones, have to stay where we got to be, force everything underneath in front of us, not give the seams. And, uh, you know, with 23 seconds, we can do that. But we got to execute better, and that's all hey, I got to coach them better so they can play better. I've got to coach them better so they can play better in, in all those aspects. I mean, there's a lot of good in the game today. A lot of guys with heart and soul and everything else. And, but also some things that just little inches. They found more inches than we did. And we had some critical mistakes in the game and didn't finish drives early in the game. Had critical penalties or motions or a drop ball or something. And, you know, you, you, you get a game that we got a very good offensive football team. You can't overcome those. We have to play better. We have to do better on all three phases. Had a, had a blocked field goal. Kicked it low uh, on that. Missed a couple of Missed three field goals on the day. Um, I dropped touchdown. Had uh, um, you know, multiple things on defense. Didn't get off the field on third down. Very poor. They were nine to thirteen on third down. Did a poor job there. Um, second half tightened up much better and did some nice things. Caused some caused a turnover too. It was very critical. Offense battled back and had some things. But you know we just got to play better as a team in all three phases. And that's that starts with me and it ends with me. So there you have it. We we started at the beginning, but uh, obviously for this first segment we need to get to the end. North Carolina gets the ball back with 23 seconds left. Let's start with the kickoff. You got a guy who you know can put it in the end zone. You don't want to risk a return. So the right 
play to have him kick it, kick it deep. No question. Okay. That by doing so, no time comes off the clock. If you did kick it and tried to get him to run it out, it'd be down to eighteen. I mean, you, but, you could squib it, but we've we've seen you know an up back or it goes all the way to the deep back and still get the ball out to the 35, 40 yard line, even though you squib kick it. So kick it out of there, make them start at the twenty five. Your defense gets set up and ready to go uh, when they take the ball over. All right. Well, and the very first pass they complete goes for 23 yards, gets in the midfield, takes the clock down to 13 seconds. I mean, defensively, you're looking at it from up top, which is a much better view than what I have it on the sideline as Florida State was, was playing defensively. It's the proverbial prevent defense. They were rushing three. They were dropping eight. They were in zone. Uh, the message has always been keep everything in front of you. Uh, prevent defenses, uh, as I've gotten older, drive me nuts. I'd rather go a base defense and, and maybe even go man under with two deep safeties, and they're the only two that don't let anybody get behind them uh, in order to press the offense to make something happen. But the book, whoever wrote it, I ain't met them yet, but whoever wrote it says go prevent. They've got to drive the ball 75 yards, but they execute it. All right, so they get that pass. Then the next pass is an incomplete pass, a diving effort by Ryan Switzer, who's every bit as good as we thought he was. Who, by the way, was open, really open. Right, and just just missed him by a little bit. FSU calls a timeout. You've got second and 10 at the North Carolina 48, and nine seconds left. So at this point, you're in the timeout. You know that there's two plays to go in the game. It's either hit one and get in field goal range, or if if that's incomplete, you're going to have a Hail Mary chance. And there's two messages you give your defense. Do not rough the passer and do not commit pass interference. Those are the last two things you tell those 11 kids when they go to get out of the huddle back to line up. And there you go. Well, and so Tavares McFadden gets flagged for pass interference. Uh, you saw the replays. You saw it live. Your thoughts on uh, the, I, the throw, what he should have done. I thought it was a ticky-tacky call. Uh, I thought you could legitimately have said the ball was uncatchable. However, before everybody goes off and gets all upset, I think you need to remember one thing. There were three flags thrown. It wasn't just in the eyes of one official. Now, you and I have talked about uh, throughout our career, uh, you're of the opinion that the officials sometimes will back each other up. So when one flag is thrown, immediately someone else will throw another one. I just happened to be where I was sitting that it looked to me like all three flags came in at the same time. So if the other two officials were backing up the third one, those other two have the greatest reflexes of of any people in the world. Uh, Three flags on the play, it's just hard to argue with it. Well, there's also the ACC is a basketball league, and you get a lot of conversations from your seat about swallowing the whistle at the end of the game, or is it a foul? Uh, you know, and at the end of the day, you usually get to these conversations that say, if you would have called it in the middle of the second quarter, then call it at the end of the fourth quarter. So should that have been called? Probably not. I mean, yeah. uh, and again, I'm a Florida State guy. Uh, again, the, the ball probably wasn't catchable. Uh, I didn't think that, uh, you know, there was a great deal of contact. I think it was more of the, the footsteps getting caught up with each other. But that's not the way the officials saw it. Well, and so that is the uh, the story as it uh, as it finishes up. But uh, there's a lot to dissect, and, and we're going to do it as we talk about uh, Florida State offensively and defensively in this game. Where do you want to start when we come back, by the way, Keith? Let's start on the offense, just to be fair. Just to be fair. All right. Hey, I'll remind you that uh, I need to, that if you have a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, you can go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway.
Visit them online at ctf.nu. So a big thanks to the folks at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. We will take a break, come back, talk about the offense. Florida State, a devastating defeat, 37-35. to Tom and Keith back with you as uh, we continue our therapy here after a tough defeat for Florida State. The Knowles dropped a 3-2, and 0-2 in the ACC. The home winning streak ends at 22 games. The home ACC winning streak ends at 16 games. And it remains that Jimbo Fisher, the one team in the league he's never beaten, is North Carolina. Go figure that it's the identical score as it was in 2010, 37-35. So let's talk offensively here. Again, um, and we will get to the defense, and there's plenty to nitpick on the defense too. But this is a good North Carolina team that probably was going to score between 25 and 45 points. I think you have to go into the week thinking uh, that, that it's going to be this kind of game, potentially a shootout. You want to manage the clock, reduce possessions. Uh. Well, and Jimbo knew that, and, and, and that was reflected in how he called the game offensively. Uh, you can't give North Carolina you know, 17, 18, 19 possessions in a ball game. You've got to cut that down to 12 or 13, and in fact... I think Carolina only had the ball four times uh, in the second half. Uh, so I, I was happy with that. The two main things, criticism-wise, uh, settling for field goals, as we talked about particularly on that first series, and then missing those field goals or having one of them blocked. The other thing is Florida State was 0 for 7 on third down. Uh, I, I think there was some tendency to be a little little too conservative or a little uh, not, not willing to take enough chances uh, that you saw Jimbo do in the second half, uh, the bootleg runs, uh, the design quarterback runs. A couple times DeAndre converted those for third down in the latter part of the third quarter and through the fourth quarter. Didn't see that in the first half. It's hard, Tom, to be overly critical of the offense. Florida State totaled 595 yards, 223 on the ground, 372 through the air. Uh, Francois was 20 of 32 passing, uh, no interceptions. Uh, was sacked just twice. Uh, you had uh, Dalvin at 140 yards rushing. He added another 120, uh, excuse me, 106 through the air. However, I'll go back to one of the comments we've made going on. Everybody wanting to get the ball into Dalvin's hands. Dalvin touched the ball 35 times. You heard me say early on, and I'm just I'm not tooting my horn to hear me listen to it. When Dalvin touches the ball 30 or 32 times a game, this is an eight and four, nine and three Florida State team. You cannot rely on Cook as heavily as they are. You've got to get the ball into some other people's hands. That would be the, the biggest criticism uh, coming out of this. There's got to be some more diversification in Florida State's offense, even despite the gaudy numbers. Yeah, it felt like as the game unfolded that uh, De- they could have run DeAndre a few more times, but as I look at it, he had 10 carries. Now, a few of those are sacks, so maybe six or seven design runs. The guy who didn't get enough touches today would would have, uh, or in the game, would have been Jacquez Patrick. Well, and he, and he had a, a very key uh, penalty on one of the drives that kind of got him in Jimbo's doghouse, which is probably why you didn't see him as much in the latter part of the game as well. Well, Florida State falls behind uh, well, the 21-0. Let's, let's talk about this. And, and the, the short answer is they're shooting themselves in the foot. There's penalties. They're behind the change. But why is Florida State starting slow? Because it is now a pattern. It's a pattern, and, and I don't have the answer to that. Obviously, if I had the answer to that, I'd go into Jimbo's office and give it to him. Um, I, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, when, when you've got athletes of this talent level, they, they don't take on an urgency or they've not had to take on an urgency about them competing for a job or competing for a win. 
a win. There's a mindset with all these four- and five-star recruits that they've never faced adversity like they're facing now. This is the first time they're losing ball games. These are kids are coming from state championship programs. You know, they, they were 28 and, and 2 in their three years in high school or whatever the record was. And, and you can't teach this. You can only experience it and learn it. And, and as a result, you've got a bunch of kids out there. Uh, granted, you only have nine seniors, but you've got a bunch of kids out there that don't know what it's like to have their back up against the wall and have to fight through it. And, and they're not responding well. They're individually and collectively continuing to make mistakes that are above the shoulders. It's not schematic. It's not coaching. It's decision-making on the field in real time where they're failing. Let's uh, the the offense overall, you know, wound up being pretty good. But again, let's let's reexamine these first three drives, and then we'll get to the one at the end. So the first drive we already talked about. Florida State actually was first and ten at the North Carolina thirty-six and got an eight-yard jet sweep. So they were second and two at the twenty-eight. Dalvin lost a yard, third and three at the twenty-nine. DeAndre rushes for one yard, fourth and two. They kick a field goal and miss. That's the one we thought they should have gone for there. You get the ball back after North Carolina had scored seven zip. Now this one. You get to the 35-yard line. Uh, you get a six-yard rush from Dalvin Cook, and so you get to second and four. False start Landon Dickerson, who had at least a hat trick worth of penalties in the game. Florida yesterday. State had 13 in total, and I believe you're right. He probably had about uh, four or five of them. In so, so you went from ahead of the change at second and four there to behind the change at second and nine. Uh, this is where I thought a couple of Francois's passes. Uh, you know that second down pass. He threw a post that was a deep pattern. Now, maybe he thought it was open. It was a high throw, as I recall, as compared to just trying to get six of the nine yards. Or check, check down to your second or third read. Right. That said, the next pass, he hit Travis Rudolph in the hands at the one-yard line. Rudolph's the best receiver on this team in theory, and he dropped it. That's seven points Florida State didn't get. So now we're, we're, we're two drive. They end up, that's where the, the field goal was blocked. They fall behind 14 nothing. Okay, third drive, they get it back. This is the one that uh, you had another... Uh, missed field goal. So let me look back at this. So they were behind the chains early on as DeAndre was sacked. Then he hits a 16-yarder to Bobo. First and 10 at the FSU 41. Uh, he completes a 33-yarder to Maven Saunders. So your first and 10 at the North Carolina 26. Huge play, by the way. It huge was a huge play. play. First and 10 at the North Carolina 26. They run down, but he loses two yards. So now you're second and 12. You're behind the chains. He goes incomplete to Bobo. Uh, and then third and 12, he was hurried as well. So, and, and ends up going uh, incomplete to Travis Rudolph. You try that one. I was, I mean, at that point, you're fourth and 12. You got to kick and the you're field down by 14. Yeah, you got to kick the you, field. You got to get some points there. So, that one I'd agree with. All right, we'll skip the drives in the middle. We already mentioned that at the end of the half, we agreed with the decision to sit on the ball. You couldn't risk a turnover in North Carolina getting it back and falling further behind the 21 7. So, at the end of the game, uh, DeAndre Francois and the offense. They start at the 25 and go backwards to their own 10 and then go 90 yards and score with 23 seconds left. First of all, let's credit DeAndre Francois. He's a redshirt freshman. He hadn't been in that position. No panic from the guys I talked to. I mean, that was a pretty, that's a pretty good sign for a redshirt freshman quarterback. And he had been nailed in the pocket a couple of three times in the early part of the second half. There was every reason for him to be a little bit gun-shy, but he wasn't. He stood tall. He threw the ball down the field. Uh, I, I think he showed a great deal of resiliency. Yeah, I mean, looking at this, I mean, it, and it just felt this is after the extra point had been missed. Everybody in the stadium it was knew, queued up. It was there for the taking, uh, and he didn't disappoint. And and that was a tremendous. So it was second and goal when he ended up scoring from the two. 
Now, again, you're not going to tell them to take a knee and, and live for two more downs, but the whole time, the way that game was unfolding, to me, that was a don't leave any time on the clock. But it was a tremendous play by him to get in the end zone. Well, and, and he should have been tackled about the eight-yard line. A North Carolina defender completely missed him. And that goes back to another point that I want to make sure our listeners are familiar with. You know, Florida State got a lot of breaks in the second half of this ball game. The safety that went to the right. replay roof, it was overturned, got the ball back on the two-yard line. The rough and the punter. Uh, I mean, it was a legitimate rough the punter call, but you just don't expect that to happen when you've got the ACC's all-time right. right. leading returner back there waiting to field it. So Florida State caught a lot of breaks uh, in that second half to even be in the position where they were offensively. It's just It was just a shame that, that, that despite all those breaks, uh, you, you just couldn't find a way to close the deal. Exactly right. Well, let's let's listen into DeAndre Francois, who is, uh, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of promise there. He's played pretty well so far this year. I mean, he's not a seasoned, uh, you know, third or fourth year guy, but uh, you can't hang this on him. Certainly, let's listen into his comments again, courtesy of Seminoles.com. Just got to continue to practice better. Um, you know, come to, come to stress and stride tomorrow. Go to practice on Monday. Watch the film, correct the mistakes. Go back to work. Get ready for Miami. That final drive for for you guys. What was what was kind of the message on the sideline heading out onto the field? Um, this is two minute drive. Every every Thursday, we go through through a two minute drive. And that's what we do, and we execute it, and we got the ball in the end zone. After the penalties, how big was the first completion to Bobo to keep you guys in a man, manageable down a distance? Uh, it was big. The first completion is always you know the most important completion, and that's just what got what what got us rolling. And the one to Dalvin got you guys down the field. Talk me through that play. Um, it was just an option right by Dalvin. I hit him on the sideline, and he made a, he made a great play. How important was Dalvin's role today? Because he really seemed to take over a lot in the second half, both on the ground and, and catching the ball. Yeah, his role is important every week. Um, that's our starting running back, so if we can get the ball to him out the backfield, that's just another dimension that we have. Your touchdown, take me through that play. Um, it was just a <clears throat> stretch right play. Um, you know, I had a run-pass option, and we've been running it all game, so I, I felt like they overflowed. So I tried to cut it back. It was a guy in my face, so I just tried to make a play, and I got in the end zone. Did you see the second guy when you when you missed him, or did, was that more just instinct? Uh, yeah, it was just off instinct. Um, you know, he flashed my eyes real quick. I tried to make a move. Um, luckily, he went high. I went low, so I just dove in the end zone. With 23 seconds left, did you did you feel like that, that that was it, that you guys had done enough to win? Yeah, um, I felt like the defense could hold up. Um, you know, we, we work it every Thursday, like I said, so I knew that our defense was prepared for that situation. But um, penalties, big plays, and uh, you know, North Carolina's a great team. They made a great kick. Uh, offensively, for, for you, and you can't practice these types of situations in the game, how big of a growing experience is this for you? Um, every every game is a growing experience. Win or lose. Um, every play I learn something new, and every game I learn something new. So this right here was certainly a learning experience. How important was the second half, especially after the first half where you guys had to settle for those field goal attempts early on? It was important to um, you know come out and get a stop by defense and um, get on the scoreboard and continue to move the ball and score and try to make a comeback, which we did. So again, looking at the positive, uh, Keith, you know, your five games through DeAndre Francois's career, he's fumbled the ball a couple times, 
he hasn't put the ball in harm's way in terms of when he's throwing. And now some of that is what Jimbo's calling, but I do think you see maturate. This is a guy who's led a 22-point comeback. If FSU wins that game yesterday, that's 21 points, which prior to the 22-point comeback was the biggest comeback win in school history. I mean, he's done a lot. In five, he's played three games away from home. Uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of promise there. Well, you heard Dalvin uh, in his post-game comments uh, to the media to, to talking about, uh, even on those last couple of series, uh, when, when DeAndre got into the huddle, there was an aura or a sense about him. I mean, the kids respond to him. They respect him. They have a great deal of faith and confidence in him. He's earned the right to be the starter, and he's he's played like a starter. And candidly, he individually has played well enough to have won some ball games that Florida State have not been victorious on. All right, and uh, a lot of folks would say that's because of the way the defense has performed. We'll address the defense when we continue. Florida State drops to 3-2. and two. They lose it 37-35, heartbreaking fashion, to North Carolina on Saturday night. Welcome back. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Don't forget that uh, we'll be in a better mood by the time we get around to the front row later this week. You can hear that. Six, I hope. Six, I hope. Yeah, we may be. I'm going to be like you by the time this season ends, Keith. I'm going to be a curmudgeon, too. Anyway, the front row comes your way right here on 97.9 ESPN Tallahassee Wednesdays at 6. Subscribe to our podcast uh, on iTunes. If you do so, you'll also uh, get Wake Up Knowles and Primetime Knowles, our Sunday show, in there as well. All right. Uh, now to defense, Keith. And obviously the pass interference call we addressed. And I know that uh, fans are going to be uh, harsh on McFadden. Fans are going to be harsh on Charles Kelly. Uh, you and I, I think, will be a little more reasonable in that we won't make it personal with those two. I like Charles Kelly a lot. Let's, get, let's just try to figure out what's, what's going wrong. I thought, so if you look at this year, Ole Miss game, Florida State was not getting lined up in time. Uh, I'm not even going to discuss the Louisville game. USF, it seemed like when they got lined up, they played pretty well. I didn't think for the most part that it, now there were guys that were open, but it, it wasn't confusion and missed assignments as much as what we've seen. There's two types of communication in defense. Uh, and and, and uh, if you'll give me the time, I'll also talk about it offensively. Defensively, you've got to get the call in about what, what base or, or defense you're in and, and what part of it you're running. All right, so we're in dime, we're in nickel, we're in base, we're in whatever, and here's what we're running. Then, once the offense presents itself, which Carolina does a tremendous amount of this, they'll stack two receivers on each side. Well, the safety and the corner then have to make a second communication. Are you going to take first cut in and I'm taking second? Are you taking first one out and I'm taking second? Are we staying with our man regardless of where they go? Are we only going to switch if they cross? There's yeah. a number banjo of things. Banjo technique. Yeah. yeah, banjo or what we used to call buddy technique. Well, that is the communication we're now seeing problems with. And unfortunately, you saw McFadden blow a couple of coverages. Either he didn't do what he was supposed to do or the communication was incorrect. But either way, there were breakdowns. So we've got the lining up part done. We've got the base call in. Here's what we're running. What they're now struggling with is those individual calls amongst individuals. And 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 the, what practice time I've been to, that's never been an issue. Now, part of that is you're not running at such a breakneck speed in practice. You've got time to make that call. But it's just it continues to be befuddling to me how now five games into it, those individual calls are still being blown by individual players. And candidly, Tavares is one of them. And Derwin was the other one when he was playing. And 
he's not out there is Derwin, so we, we he's not had an opportunity to get that corrected. I don't I don't know what's going on with McFadden. I don't get it. Well, McFadden's a sophomore. Derwin's a sophomore. Only played a game and into the three uh, and three quarters of game two this year. Uh, Marcus Lewis. Uh, I can think it was coach's decision. He was out for a drive or two, and Kyle Myers, the freshman from New Orleans, was in. So they did try some different combinations. Uh, if I'm hearing you right, what I hear you say, what I'm hearing you say is, yes, there's been some progress, but it's game five. It's inexcusable. Exactly. And, and for those of you want to, you know, jump on the coaching staff, or those of you want to jump on the schemes, I'm just here to tell you, you're wrong on both cases. This is a good coaching staff, and there's nothing wrong with the scheme. It's just not being executed by the players. That's all on the kids. Now, some of them are 18 and 19 years old. Some of them are their first and second year in the program. Uh, okay, but now we got to go play with who we've got. If, if you want to criticize the coaching staff, then look at Charles Kelly and say, I sit Tavares and I play whoever's behind him. All right. Well, whoever's behind him ain't six foot two, two hundred pounds, and runs a five four forty, a four five forty. So you're going to lose some physical right. things. Right. You may gain some 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 knowledge things, but you're going to lose some physical things, and now that presents a whole other set of problems. Well, I, I agree with you. I, it, it's a it's a good coaching staff. The scheme's not the issue. Is it possible that the, how it's being communicated, it, it's not, it, is it that the players are not executing or the players are not understanding because of the way it's being communicated by the coaches during the week? That's a legitimate question, and we're not there full time to know. An answer to that could be to dumb everything down. In other words, all right, we're not going to have any communication in Buddy. In Buddy, you take first cut, I take second, regardless of what happens. And we'll just completely eliminate that communication. The only problem with that, about the fourth or fifth series, that opposing offensive coordinator knows exactly what you're doing. He runs a rub play. They do an up route, and you can't get to him. Well, and I think that speaks to Jimbo overall. And we see, The way he coaches offense, it's almost sort of begrudgingly that he runs his quarterback. He doesn't want to compromise. It's not that he won't call his offense to the strengths of the quarterback and the personnel, but he doesn't want to sacrifice certain parts of his playbook there because even though that might win you that battle, it may lose you the war if you haven't developed that over the course of the year, which is what you're saying would happen defensively, potentially if you dumb it down too far. Because you become predictable. Yeah. And once the offensive coordinator and that staff knows what's predictable, then they can they can beat you with what they call, even if they don't have the superior athletes. Let's listen in to Demarcus Walker's comments, and then we'll come back and talk more about the defense here. He's been the uh, sort of the most vocal leader on the defensive side of the ball, and obviously Mitch Trubisky gave FSU's defensive line and whole defense fits. So again, this is Demarcus Walker, courtesy of Seminoles.com. Uh, 
Gretzky's better. Jimbo, Jimbo thought some of the players are playing a little too tight, trying to do it too much. Do you, do you get that sense? Uh, I agree. Marcus, is it tough in the excitement of scoring the go-ahead go ahead touchdown? There's 20 seconds left to get everybody back and refocus to get back out there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You know, uh, on the sideline, told DBs, everybody just do their job. You know what I'm saying. You know, I told the D line, hey, you get, get to the quarterback. You know, what I'm saying? you know, we had it for a minute, but you know, you gotta, you gotta give. Uh, no kind of credit game, John. What were they doing so well on getting down at all? Uh, it was SQ on third down. Third down. Yeah, they were 9 13. That was. Jimbo said they were doing a lot of seven-man protection, the way they slide. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time I went to the interior, the center was sliding to me. So I never really had a one-on-one game inside. What's your message to the team and especially the younger guys moving forward, knowing you have Miami and some other games coming up? Everybody got Miami. That's you. I start off in the jump. I hope everybody learned from this one time. Uh, my job is you got to finish the season off right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, going next week, playing with my team. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. Outside of you guys working harder, preparing more, what can we kind of do defensively to try to turn things around? You guys, like, you know, I, I believe we had a great week of preparation, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, some people just got to, like, you know, line up and do their job. They got a man, you know what I'm saying? You know, stay to your technique, trust your eyes, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's really, you know, my thing was, you know. Seminoles.com is uh, where that uh, sound comes from. And uh, for complete coverage of, of Florida State, uh, not just after a devastating defeat, but 365 days a year, go to Seminoles.com, including all the preview material that will be up uh, for Miami this week. I can't even turn the page and think about Miami at this point. Let, let's go back and, and assess this uh, because there are some folks are going to blame the coaches, period. That's the way it is. And I've made the point that offensively, you hear about different position coaches, but defensively you only hear about Charles Kelly. So let's talk about uh, defensive ends coached by Brad Long and Odell, who's been here a long time and as a former Seminole coach, who's the tackles. This defensive line is not as good as what I thought it would be going into this year. Agree? Agreed. And we thought that the linebacker play would be increased because you had some better athletes than you had last year. But they're continuing to make some mistakes as well. So the effect at the linebacker position is that You'd been better off with last year's kids, even though this year's kids are more talented. So overall, you look at the front seven, and it's not as good and not as effective as last year and not as good as we anticipated they would be moving forward. Grade, uh, I want, well, I shouldn't even ask you to grade it, but the defensive line, what can Florida State do? Is that the, the, the guys aren't as good as what we thought? Is it the schemes and the way, because you're not, you know, this is not seven-step drop, 
pin your ear back, go get the quarterback. Well, part of the problem is who you've played so far. Right. Uh, and that's all, the point I'm making. With all the read option and, and with the dynamic talent uh, of the Louisville kid and, and, and the sporadic talent of the kid from South Florida. I mean, Trubinsky, let's, let's, wait a minute, guys. He completed 70% of his passes for 405 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, this is not uh, your father's Buick or your father's Oldsmobile out there running this offense. We've played, Florida State has played some very talented quarterbacks that, that have reason to, to be valued for what they're able to do. Nobody will want to hear it, but by the time the season's done, you could make a legitimate argument that Florida State might have played the four best quarterbacks in the country and maybe five of the top ten by the time you talk about Deshaun Watson and the guy next week, Brad Kaya, who are both top five projected picks, Chad Kelly, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Glad oh, you can remember the names. I can't remember the names. Uh, oh, Lamar Jackson. He happens I've to heard be of him. Pretty, yeah, he happens to be pretty. So what, what it seems to me, uh, among other things, what, what the, uh, the offenses of today are doing, they're, they're forcing the defenses to – uh, have to read and dissect and, and react, and that's slowing the. It's, it's negating it's some of the. It's taking the aggression away, and it's so it's negating some of their athletic correct abilities there. Correct. All right, uh, you, you mentioned the front four and the linebackers uh, in the secondary, and I know we already talked about the last play of the game with Tavares McFadden. Uh, assess where where are we? Is it better? Is it the, getting the, better? Where do you go? The safeties were horrible against South Florida. Safety play was better. Um, uh, Marquez White had a couple of missed tackles. Uh, had one big one on that touchdown run. Uh, we've, we've talked about McFadden. Um, you know, it, it's just been one one game. The safeties weren't good. The corners were good. This game, the corners weren't good. The safeties were better. Uh, again, I think it all goes back to that communication. And remember one thing about defense: if there's any hesitancy whatsoever. If there's anything in the back of your mind, am I in the right? Do I have the right call? Did I make the right call? Am I doing the right thing? You lose that step, and once you lose that step, everything defensively is reaction. When you lose that step, it's an unbelievable advantage to the offense. I mean, just just look at and go back and look at some of the plays that Carolina was able to convert. They're not sophisticated plays. They're just run precisely, and they're run quickly against a defense that's thinking a little too much. If we could ever get these kids lined up with the assignment and they don't think, they just do, then that athleticism can come out. And it hasn't been coming out. And, uh, yeah, let's let's credit Carolina on this because they were 8 of 11 on third down conversions. And a lot of those were third and 8, 9, 10. They were not third in a yard and a half. That said, FSU's defense did get a few stops, uh, but but it wasn't enough. They obviously didn't get the big stop at the end. All right, we've still got uh, one more segment to go as we rehash this. Florida State uh, falls to North Carolina 37-35, to the final score. All right, Keith, so we're back, 37-35. Uh, the special teams hurt Florida State yesterday because of the missed kicks, and maybe we got a little false sense of who Aguayo was based on 6-for-6 six six on opening night. Uh, my questions there would be more about what we've already talked about. Next week, future weeks, if you're in the same situation, fourth and one or two at the 28 or 30, might you bypass the – you don't want to punt. you got Dalvin Cook. you got a mobile quarterback. Maybe you go for those. I, especially either early in the ball game when you're trying to establish something or depending on you know what the score is and that type of thing. Uh, not take anything away from the Guayo kid. He's a super talent, uh, but he is a freshman, and uh, it's all mental. 
you start missing kicks. It's kind of like not getting the ball off of the tee on a driver uh, with your driver. You, you go to three wood or or do something different. I think Florida State has to do something different. Uh, I think when you look at the special teams play overall, uh, they're still good enough for you to win ball games, uh, but they may not be as great as you had anticipated them being. And as a result, you'll do some other things before you get to the need for your special teams and what you do offensively and defensively. Given the athletes on this Florida State team, should the special teams be better? And I'm talking more about the returners. Should there be not necessarily touchdowns, but longer returns, punt and kick return? Well, and I realize punts weren't really in play on Saturday. Well, two things. Number one, Carolina only punted what, one time. Right, right. Kickoffs, you know, everybody's kicking the ball out of the end zone now. You're not getting the opportunity to return kicks. So I just I just don't think there's – it doesn't matter who's out there. If they're kicking the ball out of the end zone, right. you're not going to yeah, line Kermit up. Yeah, Kermit got a couple tries. Okay. You're not going to line up. Uh, I, I think it's more along the lines of how the game overall has changed. And as a result, um, you know, if you don't have that premier kicker, then you're going to go for some more things on fourth and two, fourth and three. And I think Florida State's at that point now. Again, not to, to take that much away from Maguire, but he's a freshman. He's missed some kicks. You just can't rely on him until he gets his confidence back. Speaking of freshmen, I'll segue to penalties here. And uh, Dickerson had a rough go of it at, at right guard. He lost his poise. He, he just lo- absolutely lost his poise. He had a, well, that was on the last drive, right. which was a personal foul. But he also had, I think, a chop block and a false start in the game, and I, I haven't looked at all these. But bigger picture, there were 13 penalties for 100-something yards against Florida State. Uh, I was hoping maybe we had turned that corner last week, but these are self-inflicted things. Bobo had a block in the back on Jacques Patrick's long touchdown, uh, if I'm remembering right. Or no, that was Travis. Uh, somebody had a penalty there. Bobo had a block in the back at one point. These are mistakes you can't have. It's particularly by upperclassmen. I mean, I, I can live with Dickerson and, and watching him grow. But when my seniors are doing it or my experienced three years, four years juniors are doing it, you know, again, it goes back to that mental focus and above the shoulders. And for whatever reason, this club is just really struggling with that part of it. So let me ask you uh, in our final minutes here, uh, and people don't want to hear this. It is true, though. Uh, the, the hype train got in front of what the youth factor is on this team. There's nine seniors. We've talked about it. There's a lot of talent there. Overall, it's it's more young than it is old, I think. But I want to go back to the point, uh, Are the is the process broken right now in terms of what Jimbo and his staff are teaching and preaching that has worked is falling on deaf ears, uh, needs to be tweaked, or these uh, a group collectively – that there's just not enough of them that at the end of the day really have a sense of urgency and the ability to focus like that? And I realize that's a harsh question. It's probably a lot of that. I think this is a unique group of of how they're put together. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, a Matthew Thomas that's starting for you at linebacker that basically was ineligible for two-thirds of the games during the time he signed until the time he played. Well, that's a guy you wouldn't even expect to be on the team. Hats off to him that he's persevered, but that's a little different than you would normally look at. You're having to start uh, redshirt freshmen, uh, whereas back during the old days and the dynasty years, you didn't start a quarterback until he was a redshirt junior. He'd been in the program three years by then. Um, You're relying on kids coming in and playing early. The age-old thing 30 years ago, Tommy, is that you would lose a game for every freshman you started, and now you're having to play your freshman right out of the gate. I think another part of this is that Jimbo has been so good at being creative with the process 
that it's, it's now time to tweak the process a little bit. Uh, he would be the first to tell you that you can't continue to do the things the same way because everybody else will catch up to you. Uh, I think this is a time where Jimbo sits down and looks at himself in the mirror and says, of the things that we've been doing, I may need to tweak a few things, not because they haven't worked in the past, but because they're not working now, and now being immediately. I, you not wait two or three years for something to not pan out. Uh, and I think I think the time is right to do that. In that, the age-old uh, in definition of insanity, you can't just continue to do it the same way and expect the same results. We saw that last week. And expect a different result. Different result, yeah. We saw that last week when he went off on the team uh, at the end of the game, even though it was a win in Tampa. You've never seen Jimbo do that before. That's the first time he's done that in a win in seven years. Okay. Well, there may be some other things he needs to do, either verbally or structurally, to get this, this get this particular team's attention. These are things you didn't even have to think about doing in 2013, but they're things you better start thinking about in 2016, or you may have a few more losses on the table. Well, this team has been embarrassed at Louisville, and so if that didn't get your attention, you would think that a heartbreaking loss like suffered against North Carolina. When you look at the tape, now, as it played out, and you mentioned this, Florida State was very fortunate on the one drive where the safety was overturned and there was a roughing the punter. But when you look at this tape, Travis Rudolph's going to see that he dropped the touchdown. Bobo Wilson had the block in the back. I mean, the, there, there are enough mistakes to go around, obviously the pass interference at the end, to say, if we just play fundamentally sound football, we're going to beat North Carolina by two or three touchdowns. Exactly. Now, yeah. And I realize North Carolina would go back and nitpick and say, well, we had some other things there, too. But but, but we're worried about Florida State. We'll let them worry about themselves. Well, they had six penalties. FSU had yeah. 13. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's not time to panic. It's not time to abandon the ship. Uh, but it's time to make a course correction. Well, the interesting thing will be that as we go into Miami week, and we'll finish up on this, Miami's unbeaten. And all of the attention will turn to how Miami is finally going to break the streak because FSU's won six in a row. They're at home. This is the year they're going to get them. And now Florida State is laying low for a change. I, I wish they weren't, but uh, that's the reality. I do think that it's going to take some leadership this week, starting uh, today, but certainly when they get back on practice, to say, guys, Saturday's over. <laughs> we got to get on and get this opportunity against Miami. The old-timers in our audience will appreciate this. The younger ones may not truly uh, grasp around it, but... One of the messages going forward, Tommy, is state championship. And that begins with a game at Miami. You've got to win the Miami game. You've got to win the Florida game. Uh, if you want to go back to just basic fundamental building blocks, Coach Bowden said that in 1976 when he came into this program. We've got to win the state championship first, and then we'll worry about the other things. If the kids don't understand that, then maybe we need more than a course correction. Thanks again to the fine folks at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for their support. If you've got a do-it-yourself project, you can go ahead and visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at uh, Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway, online at ctf.nu. We do the front row every Wednesday at 6 right here. He's Keith. I'm Tom. So long for now.